Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Sometimes live from the Figure Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, and looking for somebody to love. Well, at least that should be the tagline for San Diego Comic Con. Before we get into all of that, let's talk about our sponsors, Dragon Meadery, who has produced an amazing wine for this year's Colorado Festival of Horror, Decabitated. is available pre-order right now. Go to the link below and get your chance to get it before it is gone. I mean, my stash is more than safe and ready for consumption during this year's Festival of Horror, September 15th, 16th, and 17th, but the, the wine won't last, I'm just telling you, and I have nothing to do with it. I am not the one that is going to drink all of the wine. A lot of it, mind you, Brett Leader One and I, but we will not drink it all. So help us. Get your pre-order in today. So... What do we talk about? What is going on? There's so many things that are floating out there. But before we get to the big gorilla in the room, let's catch up, shall we? The uh, the world according to Smurf and everything that's gone on, Denver Fan Expo was packed. It was full to the gills. Our photos and videos are coming out slowly but surely. Uh, Facebook has got this weird thing where it's only letting me post a couple pictures at a time. So I apologize. I don't know if it's an internet thing. I don't know if it's a Facebook thing. I don't know if it's just user error and I'm just too sober to use Facebook appropriately. So... Uh, bear with us as we get everything out because we were all over the place. So more photos, more videos to come, and we appreciate your patience. And we also appreciate everyone that came by the Colorado Ghostbusters booth who made a donation. The Dumb Friends League was very excited about the sizable donation the Colorado Ghostbusters was able to make in your behalf and helping our little buddies, helping our little our little pals out there that just want to give us love. And is that really that that bad? Because everybody <laughs> wants somebody to love them. Uh, what else? So Denver Fan Expo has announced already next year's dates with which, again, too sober, uh, which are the 4th of July weekend again. And the big shift is them going to a four-day con. So if you thought this this last one was long, which I saw a lot of comments on that one. I don't think everyone is in con shape. You, you there's a lot of walking, there's a lot of standing, there's a lot of wa line holding. And 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 it's and it was very very obvious on Saturday cuz the the aisles were packed. Everybody was just uh asses to elbows. And it's not a bad thing. It's just how it is. And, I mean and if you're going to con not expecting to stand in a line, uh, you must be the first time to, to go into a con. Because that is all a con really really is at this point. I remember like back in the day just barely being able to like stop at a booth because the wave of people that's behind you continuing to push you forward is a bit overwhelming sometimes. It's fine. But uh, Denver Saturday was 
very packed and it was good to see happy to see a lot of people that came out to say hi see how we were doing what's new and just you know the the usual con antics and, and a lot of people i haven't seen for uh months years actually with the 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 virus with just life with weekends just how things work out and you know other priorities so it happens but next year four days fourth of july weekend tickets are already on sale for fan expo denver so if you are so inclined and ready to get out there and and do this do this voodoo that we do so well then um yeah that's there you go it's on it's on the board already so what's caught my eye? It's a great question, and there's been a few things. First of all, last night uh, was the final episode of The Blacklist, and uh, the season, the series, has come to its its ultimate conclusion. I've been a fan of this show for a long time. Spader was amazing as Red Reddington, and we saw the characters come and go, and finally in the end, of course, you know, there are few original castmates, and there are some nods to the ones that had come prior, but it's a very interesting end, and I'm, there's a lot of symbolism that went on in the final episode. And I don't want to have any spoilers, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't caught up or anything else like that, but this show, I, I, I'm surprised it held on as long as it did, especially in the end, after you lose Elizabeth Keene, because she was just kind of like the focal point for the show, and for them to, to you know, press on is admirable, and it was great, and I remember when the show first premiered, and at the same time, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had come out uh, about the same time. And it was funny because the contrasts were not that far apart. The characters were very similar, and granted, you know, after uh, Marvel finally got its feet underneath it, and the Winter Soldier happened, and they reestablished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of actually being part of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, and coming back for that second half, huge difference. But in the beginning, they were very close. There were FBI agents. That, you know, there were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. There, there, there wasn't like a very vast separation between the two. But, And I always thought in my mind that the blacklist was going to be supreme. Now, of course, it made it longer, lasted longer. Maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did it right and ended when they... When they did, and it wasn't because of, you know, budgetary reasons or restrictions, but how far, how much more do you have in the tank when you're, you've gone into space or you've gone back in time, which is usually the kiss of death and, you know, the shark jump for most shows. The Blacklist never really, they had some interesting takes. We ratconned a few, you know, premises, gaslit a lot of the viewers, and at the end, it's, it's a, I don't know, it seems sad to me. There is a message, there is a, a poignant punch to, to the soul, and you just kind of can't help but feel bad for Red at the end. And, and part of it is, is bad, some of it's good, but all in all, I will miss the show. I, I enjoyed Spader as Red, his his dialogue, his interactions, and they do break down his character finally at the end of what it really meant to be Red, and it it's it's sad. But 
on and upward to something else. So uh, I just had to mention that because last night it was it was kind of like a sad moment. But uh, then I quickly went over to Star Trek and Strange New Worlds, and that's just... <laughs> I am enjoying the shit out of that show. I, it's probably more than I probably should. It is so... The ideas and the premises... Some of it, I mean, maybe for the diehard uh, trekkers out there, there may be some annoyances, and there may be some questions as to why they're doing certain uh, choices or paths, and I'm enjoying it just because of how they're able to explore characters without major impact to the canon without sabotaging anything that is already established. We've never really been in this particular time period. We get to see Pike as the glorious captain that he's hailed to being. And to see this in action is fun. And I love, like I said, I love Monster of the Week. Yes, the overall story arc and, you know, linking everything together, which has worked well for some shows and has been the death note to others. It's still there. It's still kind of looming in the background. But this monster of the week and building solid stories has been enjoyable. This week's, again, a very solid story. I, I, it was, it was funny. It was touching. It was, it was character building. I mean, there's so many things that went on in this episode that even I was just like, this is a damn good episode. And I'm sure there are a lot of nerds out there that was being, hey, you shouldn't have done that. This is wrong. This isn't, I, I don't care. I, from the standpoint of storytelling, this was, I, I don't say one of the better episodes, but I really got a, a kick out of it. So just to see them explore the nuances of the characters, to go in depth is is brilliant. And now I want the, the Captain Pike uh, uniform that he had on for last night's episode. I'm going to go find it, and I might actually do a Star Trek cosplay. Let's not jump the gun. I know you're like, ooh, mm, let, let's not get crazy yet. But I have considered it now. Just, just saying. But one of the other shows that I'm not as um, in, in tune with now, strange, strange new worlds. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Continue to watch, without a doubt. On the other hand, on the other hand, Secret Invasion, which is the new uh, Nick Fury series, eight episodes that's on Disney Plus, and we just hit the halfway marker for the season. And I gotta say, um, I'm kind of disappointed. We took. This this series, well, and, and I mentioned this one when news broke this. How do you do this series when you're missing the majority of the players in the story? You have all of these things, these components, these relevant characters that expand the story, that build everything up, and they're not there. And then you have Nick Fury, who's not there. This isn't the Nick Fury that we, we, we have come to know. This isn't the Nick Fury that has been established. I'm all fine for exploring characters, as I've mentioned in, like, Strange New Worlds, but when the character that we're dealing with isn't anything like he is supposed to be, I have problems. And Thor Ragnarok is another perfect example of Thor wasn't Thor. It, it was just kind of like this blathering, you know, numbskull with, with the hammer. And, you know, he's Bob the Builder's assistant. He's going to go build it. I, I know it's a stretch, but it's the best thing I can come up with a hammer. 
The point of the matter is, if you're going to write a character, be true to the character and who they are. This is flimsy. There are elements that I'm, I'm questioning as far as Fury is concerned, and yes, he has a major role in Secret Invasion, but we're missing the point as far as how the Skrulls invaded the Marvel Universe, how they took place of the heroes. And, and instead, we're getting this very weird, blotchy story that I just... I don't know if I say I don't care, but it's borderline that I don't care. Fury is, I understand, shell-shocked. He's had some issues, DTs, separations, anxiety. I'm, I'm sure being a, a victim of the blip has has affected him. But to take it to the extent that they had and, and, and it has developed this, I don't know, gaping wound of a character, I'm not, I'm not buying. Fury has seen hell and back. He's been to space and back. And to just have him this way is, is, eh. Not to mention, they're, like, the first episode, I think I can talk about the first episode at this point, it's just, there's so many holes in the story. They blow up a square and say that they've, they killed thousands with this explosion. They're lucky if there's 500 people in this, this hall, this, this, this area. So, and then to kill the characters that they have so far, I, again, have reservations. I don't know uh, why or what. It serves no purpose. Even when the characters are are killed, there's a moment of, oh, well, that sucks, and then that's it. There's no time to, to grieve. There's no time to, like, really let it register. It's kind of like, oh, well, okay, I guess that makes sense. And it's just smoothed over. There are some repercussions, don't get me wrong, but the fallout isn't what it should be. And I know Fury is all about strategy and, and moving forward with what makes sense, but there's a lot of conflict with the character. I see Fury in there, but I'm also seeing a lot of other Samuel L. Jackson characters kind of bubbling up underneath the surface. Like... Samuel L. Jackson didn't know how to approach this because the writing is that bad. He doesn't know where Fury is in this minutiae that they have delivered, and I'm just having problems. It's long. It's boring. It wasn't until the new episode that came out that I, I was starting to catch up on my napping time. It was just... Meh. And I'm not saying that every episode needs to have, you know, explosions and, you know, gunfire and an exchange of witty repartee, but at least give me something. We have seen successful spy uh, dramas and films. Again, Winter Soldier is one of the top Captain America films in, in my list of Marvel must-sees. And that's nothing but a spy thriller. And to deliver this Disney watered down what we think we want to see <sighs> I'm in for the long haul don't get me wrong and I'll see it through just to see how it ends but I don't think it's going to go well we've got a lot of misdirection which is fine and you know it's, it's the, the spy world but we're not really seeing a whole lot of spy world and it's just mostly politics and uh, a secret agenda. I mean, I don't even want to say secret agenda, but it's just, it's not the best storytelling, and the message is is just 
in your face. Uh, I, I don't... Eh. Eh. I want the secret invasion. I, I signed up for a great story. And it's not there. We'll see how it ends. It might, it might turn around. We may actually see it accelerate a little bit. Maybe we needed the long-winded story of episode three. Sure, okay, I'll give you that. Maybe just to establish some, some footholds for other characters, and they you know are doing the best they can with eight episodes. It should be more, and they, they should have looked at doing this a little bit differently. Come on, Disney, you've got a budget. Let's Let's bring in... Let's bring in some staff. Let's bring in some writers. Let's bring in some longevity. Not this, you know, uh, half-baked nonsense. Like I said, we'll see what happens. We have a few more episodes left to go. Every Wednesday is a new one, so maybe this Wednesday it will be re redeemable. Now on the Netflix side, again, I'm just going to have to do like a Netflix show release of what I'm watching. Because Netflix is absolutely consumed my my time and it has been worth it i mean i did get on the amazon side and i did i did watch witness euro crash which is the new grand tour episode which is amazing and spectacular and uh all of those those guys clarkson and may and uh hamster are perfect but let me tell you there has been some amazing stuff over on Netflix. First of all, and I really got into this one and I didn't think I was going to, but I have to applaud how Netflix approaches their their documentary series. And they have come up with some great documentaries. I mean, Where Is My Jet for the Dr. Pepper scandal. Uh, of course, let's not forget the toys that made us, the movies that made us, the video games that made us, all of which are very nostalgia-driven. I mean, all of us know exactly what games made us, the toys that we're waiting to see more of, because I know that they're doing more episodes of the toys that made us. Uh, I got a little insider on that one. But this week, I totally got immersed into Muscles and Mayhem. And it's the unofficial, or unauthorized, unofficial, unauthorized... Uh, story of the American Gladiators. Now, a lot of you, I, I'm sure, know the American Gladiators. The name was everywhere, and they did try to relaunch the series a couple years ago to no avail. But this is the original series that happened in the late 80s, beginning 90s. And they they go through with some of the, the, the Gladiators. A few of them, you know, don't want to be on camera, and... They, they did kind of like the core gladiators that started it, that kicked this franchise off. And let's face it, without this core group, I don't think it would have been as successful as it was. But the story behind it was so riveting. I mean, there was a lot of repeat lines and, you know, the editing could have been just a wee bit better. But the story and everything behind it was solid. This was, this was great. I had no idea just how rough the gladiators had it. I mean, yeah, a lot of it was, you know, also partying and traveling around in a tour bus and all of that. And, you know, it's kind of like one way or the other, but they also fell victim to, you know, likeness infringements and not getting the licensing rights and not getting the rights to video games and, and, you know, all of the merch that came out. But I guess it wasn't as, well, I mean, they say they really 
the, the studio says they really didn't make any money, but it was on for, what, five, six years, something close to that. And, I mean, granted, the last couple of years probably got, could have, we could have done without. We really could have. I mean, I stopped watching probably after season three just for, for time restraints. And, I mean, that would have been uh, the early 90s at that point. And I just, I, I didn't have time. I, I've got other things to watch and other places to be. So, the story, though, and just seeing the gladiators from then to now is almost, yikes, it's shocking. And some of them are, are holding up, some not so much. And I, they've all had their, their struggles and their problems with, you know, drug abuse, alcohol, and, and just, you know, life. So to get kind of caught up in where they are now and it's it's a series and a show that I didn't know I needed it wasn't a documentary that I thought ah, I'm going to sit down and watch this and and be you know totally enthralled but I absolutely was I just watched the first few minutes and I'm like okay I need I need to know more and just to have the whole re refresh of history and all of that it was worth the watch I'm just saying if if you want to if you remember the show like I do just to see behind the scenes is kind of fun cuz everybody I remember just going nuts over American Gladiators. Just the, the the mania of it all was just so... I mean, this is before the internet. This is before, you know, any of that. Social media. I don't think, to be honest with you, the show would work now. And I mean, obviously it didn't when they tried to, you know, bring it back and see, see if the, the fans were there. There's too many other things. You have going on right now, especially when you're dealing with, you know, uh, kickboxing, and there's just too many other, other, they can't compete, there's just no way, and I don't know if social media would have helped them more back then, to keep, keep the, the wheels turning, but obviously it's past its prime, it had its window, came, it saw, and it was, uh, it was retired, but give it, give it a watch, it was worth sit down nice easy distraction i think it was only like four or five episodes it wasn't really that long of a of a time the other docuseries that totally i was excited to watch this because everybody knows my love for arnold schwarzenegger in fact like arnie is all over netflix right now with like the two conan movies the new fubar series which i'll get to uh and this docuseries about um it's only three parts and it covers basically Schwarzenegger's career. It starts off with him being a bodybuilder, him being the movie star, and him being the politician. Now what I liked about this is it really was no holds bar. Arnold is very honest. He takes the the cheating scandal head on. He 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 doesn't skirt any of the issues. He talks directly to his actions, how he fucked up and how it was a massive mistake and his mistakes that he's made throughout his career. There was no, I mean, apologizing for this or that or making excuses. I mean, he apologized for his behavior when they focused on his political career and how they tried to bring things up from his weightlifting days and tried to tarnish and cast a bad light on him for when he was running for governor of California. So to see... Arnold's philosophies and how he transitioned from weightlifting to movies to politics is quite interesting. It's very entertaining. He even talks directly to the rivalry between him and Sylvester Stallone 
well, how they basically kept pushing each other, and of course, Schwarzenegger wins, and this is by Stallone's admittance. He's all like, yeah, we went back and forth, and obviously Schwarzenegger won. And I just, just to see the, the honesty from everybody that's kind of involved with this this piece is is fun. I mean, I wish, and I, would, I was hoping for this, because there's another documentary, Pumping Iron, from way back in the day. And it shows Arnold in his final appearance as Mr. Universe. And if you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. But he totally gets into Lou Ferrigno's head and just just fucks him up. And, I mean, by rights, Ferrigno probably should have won that that, that Mr. Universe competition. But he didn't. Arnold, Arnold just got in there, sat down in the chair, put his feet on the furniture, and just said, yep, this is my new home, and just completely mind-fucked Lou Ferrigno. I'm fine with it. I thought it was great. But they don't address it in the new documentary, which I thought was kind of kind of sad. I wanted to see Lou come and be on and talk about what happened. Because, I mean, maybe it's probably too fresh or Lou has no desire to relive those memories or he's just not interested and is focused on moving forward, and that's fine. Totally get that, put it behind you, uh, forget about it. But I really wish that they would have... There was no mention of it. They do kind of glaze over the, the Mr. Universe thing and him you know, winning all of these titles and championships as a, as a bodybuilder and, and all of that. And it's just kind of fun. His philosophies are tried and true. I mean, it is it has carried him this far, and he has been, whether you like it or not, the man is successful, and he has made a name for himself. Good, bad, indifferent. Uh, it's really hard to say, but I admire the man just for his his tenacity, his work ethic, and his ability to just see opportunity. And, and willing to put in the time, willing to put in the work. And he talks about that. One of the thing is, always be useful. Try to be useful. So just hearing these philosophies and seeing how he's, he lives it, it's just not something he preaches, is kind, of, is kind of redeemable. Now speaking of FUBAR, which is his other Netflix series, it's so enjoyable. It is true lies, but updated. And we even get Tom Arnold uh, in a couple of episodes, but it's not the Tom Arnold that we have in the van. You know, he's not the, the guy in the van. But his character is really entertaining. This is true lies on a whole new level. Kind of an updated version. The characters all themselves are spectacular. How they work together. There are a couple of some fun surprises. I did see one of the twists coming. It's pretty obvious, but it was fine. I accepted it. It was great. And just to kind of see, you know, the older spy who's trying to retire and ends up having to work with his daughter. Uh, it, It is a fun little twist. It's only, I think that one's only eight episodes as well. So, worth the watch. It's entertaining. There's some funny haha moments. And there is plenty of action. See, this is a spy series done correctly. <laughs> there, it, It's funny. It's, it's great to see the characters. All of them have their moments to shine. There's some storytelling. There's empowerment. There are so many aspects of this series that I enjoyed that uh, I, I'm hoping it gets renewed for a second season. It's worth it. 
and how it ends absolutely lends itself to a second season. I don't know how long it will last. I don't know the legs on this because I can I could see it getting kind of tiresome. I know that they're trying to reinvent the True Lies franchise with a new television series. But I don't know. I I, I like the idea, but True Lies is kind of its own little thing and I think the the contributing factor is is Arnold. The delivery that Arnold has in in True Lies is, is what makes it. And I honestly have to say Tom Arnold is also part of that equation. I think that that was just one of those lightning in a bottle type of things and just how that whole played out is it's hard to re recapture, reinvent and make it better. So, eh, my opinion I could be wrong. The uh Fubar series is uh, up. It's running. It's on Netflix. Check it out. I think it's worth it. But yeah, it's like all Arnold all the time on Netflix. Even the Conan series, I can't help but stop and watch. They'll leave, I think, at the end of the month. I think it's a limited engagement on Netflix, and they're done at the end of July. But come on, Conan the Destroyer? I mean, it's it's so cheesy and so over the top that I just... I just can't help but watch it. It's great. Even The Barbarian. I mean, I know I own them on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. I know something actually physical, but I, I, it's part of the collection. It's it's the nerd collection. Who doesn't have it, right? Speaking of Arnold, and on a side note, Linda, Ham- Linda Hamilton of Terminator fame is actually joining the cast of Stranger Things 5. Nothing has been released on what her character, or who her character is, or what the impact is, but they uh, announced that she's part of the cast. I'm hoping she's uh, like this ruthless scientist, you know, or uh, <laughs> it would be kind of funny if she was a psychiatrist. On the HBO side, uh, not a lot going on, but there was a new Batman animated movie that was released. It's an Elseworlds, which, again, love the Elseworlds when they were comics. They had some amazing stories. So this one uh, really kind of hit a note with me, and I this one was way, like, all over the board. It's called Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham. And it's very very steampunky, very noir. It's a huge take off of uh, like Cthulhu. And I really, really enjoyed the the characters as they were brought in. There were so many dark horror elements to this this animated movie that I, I had to watch it twice. I've already watched it twice. Just because I know there were things that I, I missed. I wanted to dissect more of the scenes and like see if there were other hints and other stuff that were going on in the background that I missed. And there's a couple. But all in all, I mean, watching it, yes, it, it is very Cthulhu-ish. Kind of also the thing uh, was, you know, kind of some tributes in there for that. But and Dracula, Batman, yeah. There's, there's, some, there's things all over the board that are added to this whole experience of course it happening in the 1920s kind of already lends itself to like an Indiana Jones you know explorers club kind of feel is Batman is Bruce Wayne of course but just kind of a, a little different a little more of a 
a different take on on Batman and his entourage that he's assembled as he's obviously traversed the globe. Alfred is not far behind. It's good to see Alfred. I missed him in the comics and everything else. They've just kind of seemed to have gotten away from uh, Alfred. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity because Batman is great, but uh, Alfred always seemed to to help. The comic relief and just just being there as a support structure. But I don't mean to get off on a tangent, especially with what's going on in the comic book world. The huge win for this is how it is left. I'd like to see them expand a little bit more on the story and maybe we'll see it especially when we see what characters are left standing at the end and there's a lot more that I think could be brought out in this this 1920s-esque environment. If you're a fan of Batman, this is absolutely something you should watch. I think you'll love it. All the Batman fans should jump in on this one because it's not a waste of your time. Now, the big one. The one that I've been excited for. I didn't even know it was going to actually come out when it did. Kind of hit me by surprise and it was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And yes, I blazed through it within the first night. And I, I, I make no apologies. It's worth it. Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm talking, of course, about the new season of The Witcher. And just, I mean, there were. let's back up. So we're catching up to Geralt and what has gone on, and we're continuing the story from where we left it off. There are some holes that get filled in. There are we don't acknowledge the previous filler, you know, uh, show that was last year. You know, the 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 yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> but it's not mentioned. We move forward with Geralt and and uh, Yennefer. It is great the characters the interaction all of it it is a little dry in some places there are story building character building and we do need the plot thickened but they do it very well i have to admit that watching how they build up the the tension and the storyline and as it progresses is is worth the watch there are some confusing moments and some things that I'm like, eh, it's a bit of a stretch. But all in all, I'm on board. Now, we only get half of the show. The rest of the season is going to be uh, released July 27th. And if you're like me, you want it all at once, that's fine. It's acceptable and wait to the 27th so you can binge it all. Or watch it now and then when they release the rest on July 27th, just watch it all again start from to finish the characters all have their redeemable mo moments they're dare to be great moments and Geralt is taking you know front and center as he should as the witcher but we all know what is coming we all know what is looming and there are some hints as far as as this story starts to unfold how are we going to get to the end of it and there are some very interesting hints and clues to that especially now that we've seen the trailer for the new Netflix uh, drop for what we get the, for the second half and it is it is so questionable how they're going to do it we know Geralt is going to be done, Henry Cavill is no longer playing the Witcher at the end of this season so what do you do do you let 
him right off into the sunset, happily ever after with Yennefer and his daughter? Or does he meet the the, the hero's send-off and, you know, fighting insurmountable odds to save his daughter, which they kind of hint at in the trailer? Honestly, I'm sad to see Henry Cavill go. I, I have mentioned this before, and I still stand on this. He is amazing in this role yes it's hard to imagine him being superman and then him being a grizzled just ghastly just just vicious fighter that he is in the witcher i love the contrast i love all of that and i really wish that that he isn't being let go or he's quitting or whatever the story is the true story i'm sure one day we'll find out in the unauthorized behind the scenes netflix <laughs> special behind the scenes of the witcher <laughs> but they've obviously saved their budget for the second half there's not too many special effects and it just kind of maintains the same atmosphere that we're used to with the last few seasons but, according to the trailer that we have seen and what we've been able to just discern, they saved the budget for the second half, and it looks spectacular. There are some very impressive storylines, and I'm curious, there is a very good twist. I have to admit, I didn't see it coming. I, I, I totally, and as we progressed through the story, the twist came, and I'm like, holy shit, that was well done. That was so well executed. Writing that actually kind of was like, oh, well, okay, that makes more sense. And the the things that you're presented and you want to believe and you follow along with because you're in the story is amazing. It's so well done. And again, like I said, and I, we don't see as much of Henry Cavill as I would like. Yennefer is stunning in this uh this season so far so we'll see how it progresses we'll see how it ends i'll be curious on the 27th when all of this finally wraps up how they do it what kind of send-off is Geralt gonna get you tell me give me your ideas give me your thoughts i'd be very curious to hear your opinion on it because i i think i think he goes he goes down and he doesn't get back up what else is going on? Well, across the Nerdverse, Deadpool 3 has released some very interesting publicity photos. We do get to see Wolverine, you jackman, in the traditional yellow spandex. Kind of a nice throwback, which is, is fun. I'm kind of excited to see this. I mean, I knew getting, you know, Hugh back in the Wolverine costume was going to be paramount and everyone was excited to see it so i'm curious to what we what we're in store for there's a lot of like weird rumors and characters and people from other universes stepping in on this so what are we going to get is an excellent question i know that there have been some kind of uh exchanges People are upset on the Deadpool set because Ryan Reynolds has not been allowed to improvise like he had with the two previous Deadpools. Will this affect the film? Um, there's probably a good chance. I, I think a lot of the comedy and everything else that we have seen is due to Ryan Reynolds being able to kind of riff and do what he does 
best. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but just excited to see those two in costume has been kind of is kind of fun. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has been received with mixed reviews and some disappointments and some fans that just don't understand what it means to be Indiana Jones. Our review for it is on 5280geek.com under the meat and potatoes if you haven't read it yet. But I, I think they, they missed the bar and honestly, let's just get short round in there. Let's just let him carry on for Indy and do what we all wanted him to to do cuz I think that's that's what needs that's what needs to happen. That's exactly what needs to happen. Let's put Short Round in charge and and be done with it cuz he is the next Indiana Jones. But the movie itself, there are no shortages to easter eggs and throwbacks to the past. You can only be, you know, the 1920s for so long, and it, it's sad to see Indy get old. Nobody wants to see Indiana Jones get old, so uh, it's it's fine. It's fun. There are moments, but like I said, go to go to our webpage where our official spoiler-free review is sitting waiting for you. Also, moving along to what is uh, going on, I'm very... So, in case you've been living under a rock, or you haven't been paying a close attention to what's been going on, the writers are on strike, which has directly affected a lot of productions and things, e-breaking, halting, and doing a, a vast examination of where they're at in their production schedules. So a lot of things have been placed on hold, or on hiatus, as a work slowdown, or outright just shuttering, has occurred. So, with that going on, Bob Iger has also uh, confirmed that slowdown from Marvel and Star Wars series have all taken place, and everyone is waiting to have it resolved. Now, recent, as in within the last 24 hours, the Actors Guild, the SAG people, have also gone on strike. So the actors have uh, joined the picket lines. A lot of them had already joined out of respect for their writers and it's it's understandable in fact I remember seeing a couple of images Tom Ellis is one of them uh, Lucifer who joined the writing staff and he's like I've got nothing to say because without the writers I don't know what to say and you saw a lot of solidarity from the actors for the writers and all of that and rightfully so they they're in this together without one there is there's no need for the other so now that the SAG has also gone on strike. All of the actors have now joined the picket line with the the writers. I don't know what kind of savings these guys got, but how long can you be out there? Not everybody is like George Clooney or, you know, Brad Pitt. How long can you go without working and maintain, you know, the lavish, okay, maybe not lavish, but it's an expensive lifestyle. <laughs> Everybody's got a mortgage, all right? The houses aren't paid off that easily anymore. So, and within the last 24 hours, everyone has just kind of basically pulled away as work slowdowns have been announced, projects have been delayed, and everybody is trying to figure out what is, what's the next action? Where do we go from here? And it's a great question, especially when we have San Diego Comic-Con coming next week. Now, if you're unaware, 
this has kind of been the uh, who's who and the state fair, if you will, of what's to come. Every major producer, movie house, comic book company, everybody comes to San Diego to show off what they have coming next. And before the actors even went on strike, when the writers were on strike, everybody had basically pulled out. The only two companies, organizations, that were still going to attend Denver Comic... Or, excuse me, Denver Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con were Warner Brothers, because they have the animated movie um, War World coming out, which is their first R-rated animation that will be on HBO. The other one was... Amazon, who has The Boys, which is completed, and we're going to be promoting and showing that off. Well, that's changed. Everybody's kind of pulled out, even Amazon and Warner Brothers. There are a, a, a line of panels and guests and cancellations happening for Hall H. It's It's... Wow, it's like the Red Wedding, uh, but on steroids. I mean, it is a bloody mess. Hall H is going to be empty at this stage because there's nothing to premiere. There's nothing to show. There's And the actors and everything else have all agreed that they cannot speak about projects that are coming, and the only thing that they're able to talk about is past projects and things that have already come out. So how does this affect San Diego's celebrity list. I mean, where where where's the line? So as as after parties were supposed to have celebrities, that's changed. The only thing that is for sure is that the executive producers are going to be there, but let's face it, that's the money and they've got to show up, but nobody wants to talk to an executive producer. Everyone wants to talk to the directors. Everyone wants to talk to the actors. They want to mingle. That's half the fun of San Diego Comic-Con is being able to mingle. So what happens now? I don't know. It's And it's a great question. I was going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm seriously reconsidering going. I was supposed to be leaving on Tuesday and ready to go out, see preview night on Thursday, but it is going to be... What's the point? San Diego Comic-Con abandoned comics ages ago, and if anything COVID has taught us, it's everything's available online. I can wait. I can be patient. And sometimes being patient pays off. Sometimes you get a better deal than being at ground zero, swapped up in the moment, and you end up spending for something that, eh, hindsight, did I really need that? Did I? <laughs> well, of course I did. That's why I bought it. But that's beside the point. We have the casualty list stacking up. Now, I saw an interesting call to arms, and I don't know how this is going to play out. But the comic book side is starting to join in as well. Writers and uh, artists are saying that we should band together as well and so show solidarity for our brothers in the movie and writing industry. And I think that's great. I don't know how practical that might be because, again, being an artist, it's not as you know lucrative as a job and pay as well as being a movie star. But San Diego is still a big draw. There are still fans to be found. There are still things to interact. And I know a lot of artists make at least a quarter of their revenue, their income, at San Diego. Doing signings and sketch covers and, you know, just 
selling their talents. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, they should do that. Go where the money is. So will we see the comic book side join in solidarity against San Diego Comic-Con? If we do, that is that is going to be quite the blow. I know that there's there's a lot more to this story is and let's dig a little bit deeper i think it, even when it was just the writers when the writers went on strike okay fine we can kind of weather this blow but i think the studios and everyone else involved are taking this opportunity to examine their status and what san diego is doing and has become we know that they are the the premier location for the future. This is, you know, everyone comes to see what's coming out. Hall H has a lottery system that you wait in line all day for and hope to God that you pull the number to go in and see the panel that you want to see. Lines that go down the street. There is a massive amount of people. I've seen endings to movies change based on the reaction of the fans. I've seen people brought to tears just because of panelists that come out that they never thought they would see and the interactions and the stories that are going to come it's all gone and i think the studios are taking pages from like e3 and disney let's put on our own show you have video game companies that have pulled away from e3 for the last few years now as they basically create their own experience and that's what everyone's after the days of Comic-Con and going and buying the exclusives and the uniques and the variants and the uh, just the only thing that you can get here are gone. Again, like I said, COVID has taught us one thing. Everything can be bought online. Whether you like it or not, it's there. If you know you, you are a purist and you like the hunt and you want to be able to be out there and come across it in the wild, you are in the minority. A lot of you know people out there just want to own it, and they're willing to pay for it if they can. But the money isn't as easy to come by. The last few cons that I've attended and have worked with have been interesting. The con-goer is wiser, savvier, and harder to separate from their funds than I've seen in a long time. And with now this... I'll be curious to see how much more evolves, but it's not as interesting uh, a play when you can't see the celebrities. Will the celebrities pull out of the existing cons that are out there? Again, another interesting question, and what do people go to cons for now? I still say it's for the experience and a chance to catch up and just kind of be in the thick of it and a chance to show off your cosplay. There's a lot of reasons and there's a lot of thought behind it. Of course. But a lot of people are there for the autographs. They're there for the FaceTime. They want the interactions. And when you're dealing with, like, Reed Pop and Fan Expo, who are the other major players in the con circuit, in the con world, what are their thoughts? What are they looking at now as potential fallout from San Diego becoming a bloodbath? Will the celebrities come back? I mean, it's hard to say no to money, and you're not acting, and you're not on stage but what do you do where's your line <laughs> i know so many questions but the end result san diego may be seeing the end of its 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 reign if i am a betting man i think we're going to see more shifts face it disney owns 
almost what half of the properties between Star Wars, Marvel, and Jim Henson. I mean, you've got such a huge umbrella of properties that are resting with Disney that you can't you can't fight it. They could do their own con, literally. Could put on their con with less impact to their bottom line and I'm sure that everyone is looking at their bottom line as Disney is reporting huge and massive cuts in viewership. Amazon, I'm sure, is also looking at the same thing, saying, okay, what shows are worth keeping? How do we keep afloat? And Netflix, Netflix just continues to press on and, you know, make drastic decisions when they probably shouldn't cut something they do, and they get it wrong. They're not perfect. None of them are. But when we're looking at the bottom line and what the nerds want, it's an excellent question. What do they want? They want experience, they want something to entertain them, and if they pick up a little something-something on the side for a gift, a collectible, or just a picture, it's it's all right there, and who knows what it's going to be. I'm very curious to see the end result, because I know there's more fallout to come. I know San Diego is already reporting massive cancellations for panels, for for everything so how does it how does it fall out i'll let you know because i am very curious so that's my take uh final piece of news uh james gunn finally kind of clears the air on what's going on with superman legacy there has been a plethora of announcements for other supporting superheroes in the Superman Legacy storyline that uh, everyone is really jumping all over. And one of which is none other than Mr. Nathan Lane as uh, Green Lantern. None other than Mr. Guy Gardner, one of the most, well, I wouldn't say hated uh, Green Lanterns, but he was despised there for quite a while. And of course, to me, I've, I always thought he was kind of funny, I don't like Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart annoys the shit out of me in the comics. I'd rather have Guy Gardner with Kyle than Jon Stewart any day of the week. But that's just my opinion. The list of stars that have signed up for the the Superman and Lois Superman Legacy has been interesting. So we, we've got Hawkgirl, Green Lantern, and I believe Mr. Terrific have all been kind of announced in this story. James Gunn has assured us that this is not going to pull away from Big Blue's storyline, but in fact enhance it and kind of help lead into some other things. He's kind of left it ambiguous, saying it's not going to be as uh, a big an impact as... Um, as, as everyone fears. Uh, in fact, he was quoted saying, I've never used one movie to set up another movie. The characters are there because they will help tell Superman's story better. Not so we can set up separate projects in the franchise. Superman and Lois are the very clear protagonists. So take that for what you will. And I don't know if I'm how I feel about that. Do I want to see these characters kind of be springed out of Superman and, and Lois. We kind of saw it with uh, Marvel being very successful using that kind of formula. We get like teases and shows of other characters and next thing you know, Black Panther has his own film and Iron Man gets Captain America and I mean, the, the, the list is long. 
So we'll we'll see how this progresses. Of course, uh, Superman Legacy has been pushed off to, I believe, 2025 as part of the writer's slowdown, as they are calling it. And that's fine. I mean, you can't you can't you can't write if the writers aren't there. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. That is everything. Uh, give us a like. Give us a share. Uh, if you've got questions, by all means, shoot them to me in a direct message or just an email or even just comments in the post below. We'll be back soon. We'll see what happens if I'm in San Diego next week or not. If not, then I will be giving you a follow-up to kind of what's going on in the Geekverse. What happened? What's going on? Is San Diego done? It's a huge question. It's looming. Might, it might, might be. It's definitely going to be changed. But we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>